What's up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the Brutally Speaking Podcast, episode 201 coming at you. And with me, as always, is Daniel Terry. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great, man. It's been a lot of episodes. <laughs> Holy shit, yeah, it has. And uh, this episode's guest is uh, Andrew McHale uh, of Serpents. He was episode 68, I believe, so in the first 100, uh, just actually out of the first 50. And, uh, you know, Serpents has kind of been... been Doing a lot more uh, since the last time we talked, so I thought it'd be apropos. Uh, while he was here in Grand Rapids a few months ago, I think four as of now when we're releasing this. But uh, you know, the thing is, sometimes we do these chats. It's just a, a happenstance thing. Someone's in town. Hey, let's fucking do it. All right. You don't really have anything to promote. You don't have any shows or tours, so it just kind of sits on the back burner. And apologies for that. But I, I think uh, this is kind of an interesting conversation. That's one hundred percent off the cuff. Uh, goes down some interesting things. I, I kind of think I've got this weird tangent about being like, you know, you're, you're in a band and you know how to like get signed and so forth and you used to be, but now basically you're starting all over and it's almost like being a local band. So how do you ride that, that fine line of uh, resurrecting something while also kind of it being fresh and new and, and how do you traverse the, the musical landscape now? Yeah, and I liked his response to that, which was just like, yeah, it was not like super easy or anything. <laughs> <laughs> like, I, he's like, I wish I could give you some answer that's like, oh, I did this. Yeah. Well, I mean, sometimes I think that's the thing with the, these podcasts and getting to talk to people. You know, like, obviously, if you remember from before, uh, Andrew used to be in Oceano. And, I mean, they were, like I said, kind of one of the, the forefront bands kind of doing what would become Deathcore and, and stuff like that. I mean, he listed off a handful of bands that were kind of doing it as well. But it's weird that someone that was so identified with the sound, and especially on a record that kind of made a band, you know, 10 years later, it's kind of weird that, like, fans wouldn't be like, oh, man, like, let's go follow him into what he's doing. And, and I don't know how much of that is the fact that Serpent started and then kind of went away for, like, five, six years and then came back. And it's like, you started this thing, and I think all the momentum maybe you would have had just kind of dissipated based on going on, on another hiatus, basically. Yeah, Um sorry i it's just it's a, such an interesting story in that like just the sheer amount of different places that he's lived oh yeah just in the past couple of years um and yeah, the thing that i thought was really strange um and I'll, I'll say strange and i'm not saying it like a bad thing but uh just the whole like yeah i had to move here and then get in character for this album that i'm gonna write and uh, it's all just very intense, like kind of on a level that I don't think a lot of bands really do. And I, I say band, but I mean at this point, it's really just him and and a bunch of new guys. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, no, you're absolutely correct. And I think that's kind of the thing that's interesting too. Is and you know, like I had asked him because like we he used to live here in Grand Rapids for a little bit and then moved to Chicago. And so I was like, oh, have you been back since basically you spent like a winter here? in this character being, you know, all kinds of shitty to yourself and probably surrounding people uh, to get in this mindset of this record. And he's like, no. <laughs> so I, I feel like there would have to be some kind of like almost like Stockholm Syndrome kind of thing going on with that. Yeah, yeah, something like that. <laughs> is, is That's the right one, right? Stockholm Syndrome? Or are you thinking of like survivor's guilt? Uh, <laughs> Stockholm Syndrome is where you're being held captive and then you start liking your captors. Well, I mean, that's what he indirectly did. He ended up yeah, liking Grand essentially. Rapids. He did. He after, did. After he moved away. <laughs> He's like, I hate this place. I hate this place. I hate this place. No, it's gone. Now I want it. I want it back. Um, all of that aside, this interview is about an hour long. Uh, we like to kind of hit that sweet spot of just a little over an hour. So uh, let's go ahead and get into my conversation with Andrew of Serpents, and we will talk to you afterwards. <laughs>
pleasure this early evening here in Grand Rapids at the Amway Hotel, sitting across from, I, I never, I always want to say Mikhail. Mikhail. Mikhail, okay. It's it's that KH that really throws me because it's like the, the, the sounds of it make me want to go a couple of different ways with it. Michael, Mikhail, I hear it all. Mikhail. What is the worst one you've heard? <sighs> Mikhail. <laughs> it's Haley Mikas out there. Mikas, Mikas Hales. M- Michaels, Michiles. Since last time you were on, though, uh, you've actually now have the Serpents record out. Yes. How is it uh, to finally unleash this this beast of a record? How is it? Yeah. To, um, honestly, see, you're seeing me on a lighter on a lighter day. Um, it just came out on uh, April 26th. What is it? May 14th at yes. the moment. Yep. Um, so I'm very much. Uh, alleviated from the stress of that record and the pressure of uh, releasing it DIY. So it feels great. It's being received very well um, from the people who have taken the time to hear it. And that's all I really wanted. Well, it was kind of interesting the last time we talked, and I think it's kind of apropos, even though we're we're in the middle of the month, you know, May is now nationally known as, as a Mental Health Awareness Month. And I know that you had kind of talked about uh, a lot of the mental aspects of making this record. Um, and you didn't want to reveal too much because I think you wanted people to not be so inundated by what you say you went through and just let them experience the record as they're going to. So now that the record is out and people have kind of had a chance to listen to it, what was some of the stuff that you went through uh, in writing this record that you didn't really necessarily talk about last time? Um, well, I mean, it's, it's hard to remember exactly what we talked about, but the big thing was uh, it's a journey. You know, it's it's the story, or the album itself, you know, it's called Temet Note. Uh, it's Latin for Know Thyself. You know, we've talked about this, I believe. Um to the point that I lived out this storyline, you know, uh, we're in Grand Rapids. That's where it all happened. Um, you know, there's about six parallel storylines. We talked about that in the last episode, if you guys haven't heard it. Um, what was that? What was the question? Oh, Sorry. <clears throat> no, just basically, you know, talking about some of the actual, cause I know something you had said in the, in the last interview was just, you know, that you went into some really dark places just due to getting into the character of the record and, and the things that you were writing about. And so it just kind of made me wonder, like I said, you know, we're in May, May is mental health awareness month and just kind of speaking a little bit more to those experiences. Um, now that the record, you know, now that you're done and, and a lot of the pressure of like an album release and all that kind of stuff is, is kind of off of you. If some of those things have kind of gone away or if they're still kind of omnipresent because it's it's not something necessarily that is a character that you slip in and out of, but is a real life part of your life. Well, I mean, the, the character in the actual album storyline goes through the motions. So, you know, all of that is on the record. Um, as far as a piece of me, that character, so to speak, from the album has died. Like that, that, per- that was a chapter in my life. Uh, you know, a big thing in the occult, I guess you could say, teachings is, you know, you die a thousand deaths, you know, each day you're, or if you're doing it right, you're, you know, a brand new person, essentially. Um, you distill yourself, right? Um, funny being in Beer City, you know? <laughs> but, uh, you know, a lot of those aspects are always going to be me. You know, I'm always going to be my own worst critic, uh, perfectionist, a um, little bit of a, you know, hothead, Um 
you know, delusions of grandeur. You have it all. <laughs> um, but, you know, those are always going to be there, and they always keep me going to the next album and the next album and the next album. But this particular storyline um, where I lived lived it out in Grand Rapids, that's, that's dead. Like, that person's dead. Coming back here, is this the first time you've been back since you recorded the record? Was there any residual feelings uh, when you came back? You're just like, ah, or is it all gone? You know, um, part of the, you know, I, I don't think I talked about this on the last uh, interview, but, you know, one of my only, I, I mean, you know, I made a lot of friends in Grand Rapids and a lot of, en- a lot of enemies in Grand Rapids. Um, but one of my, I guess you could say, closest friends, you know, died um, while I was here. Uh, due to heroin overdose so when I came back and I'm seeing all the old spots all the old haunts you know I was over at Bob's bar you know where I would sit and write you know lyrics I would write lyrics at meanwhile bar and these are like for the people who are listening these are like pretty divey you know punk bars. bars yeah and you know I would be the weirdo in all black just with a notebook drinking alone and um, you know taking my brain back to those nights you know, being alone and kind of doing the the band thing um, kind of triggered it. Oh, remember, you know, remember her, remember, you know, uh, breaking up with your girlfriend and all that stuff. And so kind of seeing the sights kind of triggered those emotions. But, you know, I'm with good people right now um, while we're here to kind of uh, advert those thoughts. And I really wanted to appreciate Grand Rapids again for what it really is. It's a beautiful city. I think it's also kind of fitting that, I mean, we were talking about this before recording, but Grand Rapids is going through a huge growth right now. Um, I think you I think you even kind of commented the fact that a lot of it is changing. Uh, so a lot of those kind of CD parts are starting to go away, which, you know, having lived here now, probably almost going on, I think, 15 years, roughly. Um, myself, it's one of those where sometimes I don't know if I like the fact that, you know, the city is kind of growing and, and more people are coming in and all these awesome things are starting to pop up into my town. Or if I kind of miss the fact that, you know, like, cause I've lost friends that live here too. And some of the th- places and, and things that we used to go do are, are not available anymore and they're starting to go away. And it, it's kind of weird because I think as you get older, you kind of realize that like, I guess that the, the tangible thing may go away but the memories associated aren't so it's kind of been weird for me to see some of these places like you're saying some of these haunts even um going away but realizing that that doesn't take away the memory of the people uh that you love and have lost and almost very much like the city itself it's almost a a rebirth of sorts that you kind of get to do go through as well and it's kind of interesting to think about that um you know, music does that for a lot for me as well. And I've never really thought about how I guess that applies to you from your your perspective of, you know, writing an album or, you know, being in a touring band or whatever, where like you can look at these places and go city by city and be like, oh, I have memories, good, good, bad or indifferent of each thing. You know, you were in Sagatuck of all places. Uh, what was uh, how was that for you out there? So, so for those listening, Saugatuck is a nice little, I would say, beach town, yeah, right? Very quiet. Um, very qu- extremely quiet. Um, you know, we <laughs> Too spent. Quiet. I mean, I lo- I love it. Like, uh, you know, since the last time we talked, I think I was in Austin. I was living in Texas at the moment. I moved back f- since that interview. I moved back to Chicago, mm-hmm. proper Chicago, and then I left Chicago because it was a little too busy for me, and the gentrification is real over there so i i moved out to the rural part in illinois and man like even where i'm living right now it's being like 
there's like uh, projects being built like I'm not saying like projects but you know what I'm saying like new you know developments yeah so even that's happening where I'm living so even where it's supposed to be quiet that's that's happening so going to Saugatuck you know nothing's really changed over there so far that I know you know um, still quiet still everything's closed so you know when a lot of people um, found out I was coming out to Michigan just for kind of like a post uh, you know album release shows uh, getaway you know I just I, I just wanted to go back to where it all started and also go back to Saugatuck where it's just kind of like I know it's going to be the way I left it and that's what it was you know. kind of speaking to the shows themselves um I'm not going to give you my my ins, my thoughts on uh, one of the venues you played because I'm not a fan of the person that booked a show there once. Okay. <laughs> um, but with all that said, you know I think these are the first shows you've done in quite a while. Yeah, um, these are the first shows Serpents did in about seven years. Yeah. Um, you know, even then, like when I think of Nashville, like I used to think like that's where Serpents, as well as a touring band, that's where we died. You know, like uh, uh, that, 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 that's a whole uh, chapter. But, uh, you know, as far as me, myself, uh, last tour I did was Japan with Defiler and uh, Aggressive Dogs. And that was, I think, four or five years ago. How hard was it to sort of resurrect Serpents? Because um, I don't, f- correct me if I'm wrong, I don't think any of the guys are the same. No. So how hard is it to, especially this record with, you know, all that went into it, how hard was it to find people to uh, to perform these songs and the songs that make up Serpents, but more so the newer stuff at the level that I think you would need it to be at or would expect out of it? Uh, to be honest with you, you know, it was extremely hard. Um, you know, in our age range, um, you know, it's difficult to want to pursue music if you're not already deeply embedded in it. Um, so that aside, you know, you have guys with full-time jobs. Um, you know, my drummer has kids. Um, you know, thankfully, the guys I got, they're willing and, you know, very extremely talented to the point that, you know, it was difficult to find them and it was also difficult to convince them to, you know, go all in on such a venture that's you know starting from scratch essentially all over again um and then also you have to consider you know uh serpents is kind of like a ideology or you know it's kind of like a hive mind so to speak um so it's hard to find people on the same wavelength because let's say you know i could you know find a you know an amazing bass player but if he's like hardcore christian that's not going to work out you know essentially and i i don't want to cheat you know um the people watching us you know i don't want them to think like anything apart anything of this is like a lie so that was difficult um trying to find guys in the area that's another whole ordeal um you know my current band i got guys you know one's in indiana one's in uh proper chicago one's in like peoria and i'm all the way over in kind of like you know rural part west uh illinois so it is very difficult these days compared to, you know, um, when, let's say, Facebook just would show everybody your posts. <laughs> <laughs> it was kind of interesting in seeing some of the stuff you've been posting lately. 
I was kind of surprised to see, I don't know if invested is the word I want to use. I guess something that I, I find interesting is I'm going to compare you to a local band, but not the fact that you are, but just thinking in the approach. So a lot of times you see local bands and they seemingly have an excuse for everything. Scene doesn't support us. Other bands don't support us. Venues don't support us. Oh, it costs too much money to have a good record. That's why we don't have things out. This, that, and the other. There just seems to be an endless stream of excuses as to why something can't be done. With your release, I was surprised to see such, you know, like the tarot cards. Like, that was a very adventurous thing to do for a band that basically is, is brand new, again, for a lot of people. And to see how much, you know, different thought-provoking ways to express your brand as a band, I thought was really interesting and wondered, you know, in the seven years or so since you had been a band last, were these ideas that you had been like, when and if this thing gets back up and running? These are things I didn't get to do the first time, so I really want to make sure I get to do some of these ideas I have now. And with that being said, how... Because everything is brand related now, it seems like you, you were just talking about Facebook. Social media is king. Everyone needs to be on twenty four seven. So to think of new things that other bands haven't done or beaten to death, how hard is that now? Um, so that's a very big question. I know. Uh, sorry. <laughs> no, I hear it. Uh, so you know, in in reference to branding, you know, um, st- when the album was finished, um. And it was time to start really, really hammering on the album and like start promoting it. Uh, we started working with uh, some publicists, and their big thing was, you know, uh, you need to make an Instagram. You need to do this. Um, all great advice, but something I honestly could care less about. You know, I don't want to be a brand, but it, it, it's a reality these days. Every, everybody's, you know, doing something that's kind of their thing. Um, so even like our Instagram, it has a vibe, right? Um, our music obviously has a vibe. Our imagery has a vibe. So that was something like even me right now, I'm, I'm wearing a red tracksuit, Adidas <laughs> tracksuit, like black metal, like true black metal, whatever. Um, they would probably say, have, you have, have a behemoth shirt on underneath that. I think I that kind of. It's but like it's, the Superman thing when you pull it open. There's your your but real it's colors. white or it's cream colored, so that's like sacrilegious. Um, I don't know. I, I honestly don't care about it. Um, but to play ball, I still do it. Now, as far as back then, so seven years ago, we were working with some other companies, like management companies and booking agents. They had a different idea than I had for this whole thing, right? Uh, I honestly never wanted to show myself or members anything. I just wanted the logo and, like, just the music. I wanted the music to speak for itself. They convinced me, hey, you need faces. You need this. Da, 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 da. Okay, so we did it. Um, you know, as far as, like, merch, I'm not very proud of the merch we did seven years ago. It's not – it's really not our my vibe, um, if that makes any sense. So – now, seven years later, however many years later, you know, it's a departure from the mainstream. Everybody's kind of in their own lane. So I took care of everything, you know, the creative control of artistic control or everything. So the tarot cards, it was my idea because it coincides with the album storyline. Um, 
a lot of people really dig the vitriol bottles, the little oil bottles that I sent out. Um, that was kind of like a collaboration with our publicist, but he had a completely different idea, right? But I was like, well, I want to make it my own. I want to make it serpents related. You know, what is the message? Same thing with the tarot cards. Um, you should honestly see like the, the list of things. We had ideas to promote the album. It was there was stuff you have never seen before and it probably still is going to happen but um i just try and keep things fresh um i like to keep things relevant and um cool i guess kind of piggybacking off of the question and kind of what you're saying something that you know i was thinking of as you were talking about that is like you know you say you have more ideas and and things to do for promotional outlets for the record and so forth and it makes me wonder you know, something else I see a lot of people do is if they can't execute the plan exactly the way it should be or needs to be, they find they take the, the cheap route to just so they can do it. It doesn't seem like I mean, obviously, like in for those uh, who are listening, go check out. I, I think I saw them on the Instagram page. You guys posted the tarot card thing. So uh, go to the Instagram page and uh, go check them out. And you can see that it, <laughs> it's not like they're just bullshit tarot cards um, there. You can tell a lot of care and detail was made uh, when making them. And that they're a quality product in and unto themselves. So it kind of, you know, the question then becomes, would you ever, it doesn't seem like you would sacrifice the quality of something because it then directly comes back to you as, as a band and a brand. Safe to say? Yeah, I mean, you know, I have, all the way up until now, I've been working just jobs just to pay for the album and the merch and stuff. Um, this whole endeavor wasn't cheap at all. Like, if you look at Serpent's merch, it's, you know, American Apparel, tarot cards. Uh, you know, I worked with this guy, Mark, from Armenia. We literally went, I guess, like maybe two months back and forth, back and forth on making this the right way. Um, you know, even the glass bottles, like shipping those was difficult. Uh, the vinyl posters that we made for the album, um, you know, I really didn't, I wanted it to be an experience, essentially. Yeah. If that, if that, sums it all up i didn't want somebody to open the package and it's like okay same pre <laughs> same pre-orders everybody else gets and you know stickers thanks thank you very much it's i surprised everybody i don't know if you saw that but you know with certificates of authenticity with actual guitar strings that i used while recording the record yeah. uh, along with picks uh, those those vitriol bottles um so i mean it cost me in in the grand scheme of things thousands and thousands of my own money um which, you know, people like Devin Townsend these days, like he just released his album and he spent a lot of money. And, you know, I kind of shared the same sentiment. It's like, if you guys don't like this one, man, I don't know what I could do for you for the next one. It's, you know, I, I thought I saw he posted like, if I, I'm done after this, if nobody cares. But yeah. honestly, it's very difficult to be, you know, making these orders for, you know, let's say um, tarot cards. And I'm just like, what if nobody buys these? Yeah. You know, like, then I'm out of all this money. But it's it's mainly an experience for the listener and to make it special. Well, I mean, it, it's funny, you know, the, t- the timing of us talking about this and just the, the money spent to get your brand awareness, get your, your stuff out there. Um, you know, I've been wanting to do merch, kind of various ideas as well. But the unfortunate thing is, and that a lot of people don't seem to know, is like, you know, I worked for a screen printing company here before I quit to focus on the podcast more. And even if I were to, even at my cost of doing it, which I can still go back there and I can still print stuff, it still is going to run me a couple hundred dollars to run, 
you know, a very limited run of merch. And too often you see people buy things and then it's like you just sit on it. And it's like, well, what the fuck? Like, now I'm sitting on this shit for a year. It does me no good. So, you know, like, I I don't know if this cheapened my presentation of things, but, like, I opened up a, a – I don't know if it's, like, T Public or whatever the fuck the website's called. Deep I probably Pop. should know. T-Pop uh, or whatever it is? Huh? Uh, D-Pop? No. No, I'm not selling my clothes. Uh, <laughs> uh, that, that would be, like, if you wanted to sell that tracksuit, you'd be like, hey, go on my D-Pop and you can buy my tracksuit. Check it out. No, um, no, I think it's teespring.com, I think is what it is, or Spring Tea or something like that. All right. Um, but they basically – you put a design on something, and then you can pick the colors, the styles, and all that kind of stuff. And, like, I have phone cases. I have socks. I have tote bags. A bunch of bullshit that probably no one will ever fucking buy. Um, but the thing is, is, and it's one of those things that, like, a lot of people, I like, don't think realize the business aspect of being in a band or being in anything creative to where you're constantly – all you wanted to do was just the thing that made you happy that sparks creativity, that sparks inspiration. And then at some point, because you got to start offsetting the, the in potentially in like a band situation, massive costs in creating this thing, then it gets to this tricky thing where now all of a sudden you're a, you're a, you're a business person and a marketing person and a salesperson and you, you then become a like almost like a, a business in sense of like having to sell things. But, like, I already was, like, at the thing of doing that. It's like, okay, if I can generate blank amount of money, what I'm going to do is then reinvest that, and I'm going to go back to my job and print the shirts, and then I can sell them cheaper and then keep the ball rolling. But for now, this is a thing I have to do to just try to generate some money in a completely different realm other than, hey, if you want to donate to my PayPal or whatever. And I don't think a lot of people understand the hustle that goes into creating something in a creative format because it, it is I wanted to do this and I have fun doing this but now I'm getting to the point now where it's like the amount of fucking time I put into it between editing doing interviews emails traveling for interviews and so forth it gets pretty expensive yeah. and it just gets to the point where like I see what you're doing and the quality of the things you're doing and it kind of is inspiring but it's also like I know like you have a big boy job and stuff like that and I'm like Fuck, not anymore I, well exactly sure. <laughs> but it was one of those that I saw what you were doing in order to achieve something that meant more to you. You're willing to sacrifice, you know, maybe the job that you really want, which is the band thing, and going and working a nine to five and maybe working a nine to five that isn't really what you want to do, but it pays better than the other jobs. It might be a little more flexible to do, you know, allow you to do serpents and a job. And it just, I see so many examples of that. And like, you know, I just wanted to say, Hey, you know, thank you for being an inspiration to not shortchange what I do because I see someone like you who isn't taking the shortcuts in putting out what you are doing. And I think more people should pay attention to those things because I think that's what separates the bullshit noise that, you know, the most, the things that make the most noise aren't always the, the, the best things. So you'll always see kind of the cream rise at the top. So like maybe right now, it's not fingers crossed. <laughs> maybe right now like serpents isn't, you know, where you want it to be, but I think by not taking any shortcuts, I think that's gonna be what allows the success to happen. And when it happens, it's gonna be earned. Everything is authentic. And I think that's something that's sorely lacking in the world, not just music. Well Sorry so, that was so long winded. No, you're good. I mean the big thing I've noticed personally is that, uh, you know, like you were just saying, you know, the buying, the likes and all that stuff, um, you know, that's almost like industry standard these days. 
Uh, I'm oblivious. I guess I'm old school. You know, I try and do everything organically. Um, the most you'll see me do is like buy Instagram posts or uh, not Instagram posts. Yeah, not yeah, or a Facebook's whatever. I'm a, I have you have to play the game or else you're gonna die. You're gonna die out. Like the these algorithms and whatnot, it's gonna phase you out. So that's 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 something you have to consider. Um, you know, when you talk about sacrifice, every f- I can swear, right? Yeah, every fucking day. I wanted to just drive my car into a wall working my job. Like, I hated my job. Granted, I was doing something somewhat relevant to, you know, music. But even then, like, I was working an office job. I was working two jobs at one point to move back to Chicago, right, from Austin. Sacrifice, That's that was a big part of this album. You know, I lived in Grand Rapids. I, uh, we, we talked about this in the last podcast. I moved here to literally get into character for the album did i know if anyone was going to listen to it no um is it the biggest album in the world right now no uh can i you know look back on the past and regret and say why the hell did i do that i could have just wrote an album sure but am i doing that absolutely not because to me i would rather put something genuine and i guess you could say something that could stand the test of time um, rather than, you know, I'm just going to sing a couple songs about my girlfriend and I'm going to murder her or burning churches and, you know, whatever, whatever, forests and winter. Cool, man. Do what you got to do. But for me and Serpents, like, I'm trying to make it, like, um, a little bit more meaningful. Um, but here's the thing is the, I guess you could say the uh, climate in our industry, I guess, uh, has diluted that the need for that. You know, a lot of people get upset with serpents uh, or me. Um, you know, why don't you have more shirts? Why don't you have, uh, you know, uh, more hoodies, you know, booty shorts, stuff like that? I was like, honestly, I'm not confident in, you know, pumping out a lot of designs because I, like, I don't know if you noticed, like, some of the newer designs, like, I, I personally design them. You know, that's the only corners I'm willing to cut is like, well, if I would rather design them myself, that's a little bit more meaningful. Granted, I'm taking a week, maybe even longer to design it. But again, it's more like, hey, it's a little bit more genuine, you know. Um, but back in the day, like in high school, like I had, you know, this is a while ago. Um, I forgot the, the website, but they would like print any, like you, like you were saying for your merch yeah. and we would do that. And then I was like, eh, I would rather just print my own and get, like, get it like done professionally because I feel like, you know, somebody going to the show, buying the shirt is a little bit more meaningful for that person. Like I still have people, uh, telling me, Oh, I got this shirt from, you know, Oh four, Oh three, you know, still, still in my room to me, that makes a huge difference have i ever seen anybody wear any of the other merch from that store no from the store that you know they pick their own right. they, no but you know our 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 business is a little bit different right yeah so granted like we're playing shows selling merch whatever but that's what i've noticed it's just everybody's cranking out stuff just to make money which is great do what you got to do but since we're in the position we're in right now i'd rather just take the time and release a shirt here and there, release a hoodie. You know, we did the work shirts. Um, 
you know, something that's a little bit more, I guess, special, if that makes sense. Man, I mean, start, I don't know. Talk about starting a gang. <laughs> I don't know, man. Uh, you know, that's another, that's a, a lot of pressure is, you know, a lot of people, I, they call us black metal, right? Or death metal, black and death core. That was something we, you know, we used. Was it you that was posting what the, f- no, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That was, uh. The guys in Violent Life, Violent Death, I guess they got added to a show, and you know the, the typical show flyer thing mm-hmm. where it describes the band underneath of their logo. Like, God forbid you just go to a show, yeah, anymore, or you know do your due diligence on your phone and look up what these bands sound like. Um, but that aside, their their drummer or guitar player, one of the two, I can't remember off the top of my head, but uh, he posted, "What the fuck is uh, punk infused black and deathcore or something like that." <laughs> And he was, and then people were like, "Oh, I think it means this." And it was just really funny to see people get hung up on a term, and even one that wasn't even self-imposed. Like it was just like, "This is what someone described us as." What the fuck is this? Like none of these go together. I don't even know what this is. Yeah. So it, it's funny to see, you know, like you're like, "Oh, we're death metal, black metal, black and death metal core." <laughs> well, I mean, back in the day, like, and I hate to sound dated, I guess, but like my old metal bands, you know, we like we we worshipped bands like in flames like back like old in flames hey i love in flames all in flames and i'm actually on record saying that for the old uh the oceano depths uh dvd i say i say the same exact thing i just i just dig that kind of music but uh you know we sounded like that or even like back then we were compared to like unearthed like this is like before uh oncoming storm came out but we were playing shows with like hawthorne heights um you know, uh, gym class heroes, stuff like that. And like you said, God forbid these days, like you mix up like a, a, a show, you know, we played, uh, this past weekend with Mark Rizzo from Soulfly. He's got like a solo thing going on and the bills were a little bit assorted, let's say, right. And just people, like we walked on stage with our, you know, our wardrobe, our, you know, medallions, our, you know, scrims. And just, people were just like, what the fuck is this? You know? And then the kicker was, you know, we're getting ready to play and we're all decked out. And somebody says, you know, I think Mark Rizzo's playing an acoustic set tonight. And I was like, so? Like, yeah. fuck it. Black metal and acoustic. Like, whatever. But, you know, I, I, that's when I started getting away from the genres because of that, like, mix-up. So then I identified Serpents as Dionysian, you know, like the Dionysus. There's a it's a the name the, the the term sounds very familiar. I'm just uh, I don't think I don't hear it enough that it I, no I vocabulary. know no, nobody has honestly used it. But if you research it and you'll you'll see there's like uh, two schools of thought when it comes to music. And I just thought like, hey, this is more kind of like that um, instead of, you know, sitting there going black and death core with symphonic influences. And, you know, even in the Oceano days, people go, you know, what the fuck is death core? This right. is back then. And I, I just kept saying, like, this is death metal with a hardcore mentality. That's right. it. Um, but, uh, yeah, the lines are definitely blurred for sure these days. I guess kind of slowly and, and winding down a little bit. Ah, oh, come on. <laughs> um, it, it's one of those things, you know, like I'm starting to, like we were talking earlier and I was talking about, like, Zeal and Ardor uh, and just the weird uh, cross-pollination of a, a lot of different styles um i mean you even look at a band you know going like japan like with boris 
Um, you know, you see a lot of these bands. I love their just, band. Yeah, they're so great. And I've they've played uh, at the Pyramid Scheme a couple of times, and I, I never, I never have the money to go, and then they sell it like instantly. Was that with Sub Rosa? I think so. I was there. Oh, I think. But uh, <laughs> you know, you see a lot of these bands that kind of incorporate, like, kind of flirt around with like various genres of of extreme metal. But then take it in completely more, I don't necessarily want to say pop realms, but just, you know, really stretching the, uh, the genre of what the word even is, of just taking something and going way left one way and then just running it back and then going another direction with it. And it kind of makes me wonder, you know, we've seen so much experimentation. Does does that maybe inspire you to, because I mean, like looking at what you were doing in Oceano, that wasn't really a normal like that wasn't deathcore wasn't a thing really at the time when oceano came out you were kind of one of the first couple of, like, i would say first three or four it was like huge out for a cowboy suicide silence white yeah. chapel well yeah yeah impending doom yeah and i mean some people would say acacia strain but i don't i don't think that's really in that really i mean me. we i i honestly idolized those guys like when i was like younger so i i mean they're definitely a big influence but it's one of those things to see you already having been in a band that kind of was at the forefront of something and now kind of seeing where that scene has gone and then kind of seeing where heavy music as a whole has gone. Even kind of being like, you know, seeing like Bring Me the Horizon shirts at H&M, yeah. which I mean, to see where they started at and where they are now. I mean, I, I get why they're in a store like that, but they're using like old Bring Me logos and shit like where they're like back in their deathcore days. And it's just kind of like now this thing where it's like it almost seems like extreme music has become viable from a marketing aspect which is weird considering you know when we were growing up like any of our most of the stuff we were probably listening to was very not mainstream um but i mean kind of going back to how you were talking about like we play shows in gym class heroes and hawthorne heights and stuff like that like those kind of shows i do remember shows like that do you see more of the classifications of genres and things slipping away and it just being about the music anymore or do you think it's gonna get more segregated now because of how much access we have to music now between the various platforms and so forth i th honestly think that it's going to be more segregated because everybody wants to feel special these days everybody wants their own little club they want their own lane um you know back then I used to get a kick out of like let's say playing with gym glass heroes all the like the kids the, the their fans whatever you want to call them um they would be mortified when we played you know i love that feeling uh back with oceano days like we would play with bands you know of the metalcore vein or whatever or even hardcore and they would just be like what the fuck is this i love that to me these days everybody is struggling everybody is reaching for some sort of stability safety um they're willing to dilute like you were you know kind of hinting towards um so that's why i think that yeah they're gonna be the sound itself is gonna be a little bit more generalized but the genres will still say the same i think um but i think it's gonna get worse uh from here on out i don't see it kind of blending everybody's kind of like sticking to their guns so to speak right. that makes sense <laughs> something we've been we've been talking about on the podcast quite a bit lately and i think it's just a, a very it's a very easy question but it's a, it gets answered differently mm -hmm. um kind of speaking to what we're talking about with the music scene and the music industry and where it's it's going and trends and so forth you know i see a lot of 
it seems like, and this is music as a, as a whole, not just metal, rap, whatever, but it seems like, you know, we're, we're kind of going back to that, like, sort of 50s um, time frame of, like, when it was a, an A-side, like a 7-inch single, and then you're getting maybe a B-side that's dropping intermittently before that, and then it seems like we're kind of going more EP-based, or then basically after you have five or six songs out, like, I, you know, I, I constantly source Drake as, as a really great example of this. Drake will just constantly put out single after single after single after single. We'll guest on singles. I mean, if you go up to Detroit and turn on the pop radio station or the hip-hop radio station, you're probably in an hour going to hear five Drake songs. Two of them probably are going to be his. The rest he has a guest feature on. And what's crazy about that is, like, by the time he, like, put out Scorpion, half of that record had already been out as singles. Like, some of them had been singles a year and a half before. By the time you're finally getting it on a collection of something, you're kind of already over it. And so it's been really kind of making me wonder, like, are we going to see it go back to, like I said, the 50s style, like where it's just single driven and or EPs, or is there still a demand for, for full length? Well, uh, for those of you who don't know, you know, Serpents so far has only put out full lengths. Uh, I've gotten a lot of criticism from the industry. Um, you know, why are you doing full lengths? Do, do EPs, 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 or singles. You know, uh, when Temet Nose was coming out, you know, our publicist was like, all right, how many singles are we dropping? I'm like, you know, there's seven, eight songs on the album. You know, I only wanted to do one or two. You know, uh, their idea was four. That's the new standard now, it seems. Yeah. You and do the promotional single, the real single, and then you do two or three more right before the record drops. So basically you're getting half of a record before you even get it and then you're not excited nope you know and like i'm not going to say bands you know particular in particularly but i've i've been kind of like privy to that where i'm like really stoked on an album coming out and i'm like every week spotify is like hey new song i'm like hell yeah did the album come out oh it's a single okay i'll listen to the single hell yeah did the album come out no it's a single again and then after the fourth one i was just like whatever and then I find out, like, oh, the album came out, and I heard it, and I was like, skip, 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 you know, because I'm like, I want to hear the rest of it. I want to hear the full thing, you know. I I feel like that kind of cheats the listener out of that whole experience. And, you know, I, I mean, I'm not privy, you know, on the insider information, but, you know, I think the hip-hop community is what, you know, started that. And because of the success that they did, you know, doing single, single, or even pop music, then the metal community is like scratching their head, like, let's do that. And it's working. You know, it's, it's working for some bands. But, like, I saw a band, you know, we took four, four years, four or five years to work on Temet Nose, right? A band kind of in our ranks, right? I'm not going to say who they are. Took around the same amount of time. And this is... Oh shit! No, I'm kidding. Um, but you know they did about four singles on a seven or eight song uh, album, and people were pissed because they're like, three of these songs are instrumentals. Like, where are the rest of the songs? I waited five, six years for this, and that was one thing that scared me. Releasing this new album, I was like, oh, I don't want to, you know, do that. Um, now, in terms of strategy, you know, and for the sake of putting out new music, I'm actually pondering the next release from Serpents to be an EP because I don't want to take four or five years on the next one. I want to do 
you know, something very soon with the rest of the band because the past three albums have been just me. Right. And, you know, I want to work with the band and write a new EP and uh, possibly put that out um, with a label, hopefully. But, um, you know, but that's not because of the trend. It's just I just want people to be fulfilled, you know, versus waiting another four or five years. Right. <laughs> and then the whole industry has changed over again, you know. Well, the interesting thing about it from, from my perspective, you know, being a vinyl collector, you know, so there are seven inches, obviously, where you get an A and a B side. You have, you know, 12-inch records, which sometimes, you know, or not 12-inch, I'm sorry, like, there are other seven inches that'll kind of be like an EP length, uh, depending on how long your songs are and so forth. And then there's full lengths. You know, something I was kind of in listening to, and I can never fucking pronounce the record name, so forgive me, but the, the New Serpents record. <laughs> I'm not even going to try. Sorry. Um, but in listening to that and knowing how long it took, something that I was kind of thinking of that might work for you, and, I was, and I've prosed this a couple of times to a few other people who kind of seemingly are very album-oriented, but I still think it gets it across because when I say this, I think you'll see how I connected the dots. But I think what Crosses did with their EP collection was really fucking smart. So they, you know, have, I mean, every record was called Crosses, but it was like, you know, this one was one, two, and three. Or when they got put on vinyl, blue, pink, and yellow. Um, by the time they released the third EP, though, it was announced, hey, we signed a Sumerian. We're dropping this as all EPs together re re. Uh, the track listing is redone, so it's not in the order that you've gotten to know these songs. And I felt that that really gave all the albums, so by the time I got the Crosses record as it was as a whole, because it wasn't in the exact same order I had already had it, it felt completely brand new. And songs that I was like thinking about when I saw the track listing, when like, well, those songs don't even go together because they don't have the same vibe. It was surprising how different of an experience those songs now had for me as a listener. And... I'm honestly surprised I don't see a lot of bands, especially metal bands, or bands that take a lot of time and effort into presenting everything in a format like that, or like a concept or whatever. I'm surprised I don't see more people doing that, where it's like, okay, I'm going to give you an EP, and here's the next one, and here's the next one. And it's like, and there's actually a thread between all of them, but I'm going to give it to you the way I really wanted to present it when I release the full length now at this point. But I've been giving you the little pieces to keep you going along. And the other thing that I find interesting about at least doing the EPs and especially the way Crosses did it is the fact that even though there's each of the EPs have their own vibe, you kind of were able to see the, the breadcrumbs kind of left behind of like where other instrumentals or what other songs kind of came from. So it wasn't such a drastic shift like if you had just gotten the whole thing and you're like, well, this one doesn't sound anything like these and, and things like that. And like I a think playlist or something. Yeah, and I feel like that's the thing... The one thing I do like about the idea of dropping songs kind of intermittently or EPs is if you are starting to change your sound, it doesn't seem as drastic as like, you know, like my co-host has another podcast called Discography Discussion. And the thing that's always interesting to me is when you listen to a band's discography, especially if you have a decade long or decades long career, is you like when I did the one with Fallon on, on this podcast, I was able to have the hindsight of looking at you know, newest Deftones material. So when we went back and started at Adrenaline, like there was a song where like, yeah, this song kind of sucks. I don't really like it. But then, you know, I remember telling Fallon, I was like, maybe this, you know, now knowing what we know about the Deftones and their career, maybe this is actually a Chino song. We just didn't know then that Chino could play guitar and was writing songs. So maybe this is the first 
song Chino wrote, and it's not really great, but it made its way onto the record because they, the band kind of jammed it out and made it what it is. And I go, but it's weird that you, when you do that and listen to a band's discography all at once, sometimes the the subtle shifts are so glaringly obvious when you have everything at your fingertips like that, to where you're like, oh God, what the what the fuck? Like you went way too fast on this. But in real time, it doesn't feel that way. It feels pretty subtle. And I think that's what having singles or EPs dropping intermittently will allow you to do is just, if you're going to explore new territory sonically, it's not going to be such a, a, where the fuck did this come from? Yeah. Well, you know, kind of touching base on what you were saying, like with old stuff, right? You know, my first, I guess you would say major release, you know, Depths, uh, Oceano, um, um, that was a big step for me, you know, uh, a little bit of a different genre than I wanted to end up playing, you know, as a just a listener or a fan of extreme music. Um, but you can tell, you know, where I wanted to go if you listen to With Legions. There's like orchestra in there. So with that, I wanted to leeway into the next album with a little bit more kind of that Dumu Borgir kind of like, you know, uh, yeah. or yeah, I, my, you know, my lady, she makes fun of me all the time because anything with a choir or like huge orchestra, I'm, I'm in it. Like, um, I'm done. So, you know, a lot of people, when Serpents first came out, they're like, what is this? You know, this isn't deathcore. Like people were like, honestly expecting me to just come out with another Oceano. And I was just like, that's not, that's not what I wanted to do. If anything, if you really want to trace the steps where, I started flexing the muscle, I guess, in the studio was with Legions from Oceano. Now, even the Serpents, the first album, is a little bit more, uh, like, I'm going to use Bruce Dickinson's term, uh, Jurassic. You know, it's a little bit more primal. Um, Still symphonic, whatever. Um, My vocals were not, you know, uh, as trained as they are now, I guess. Um, All the way to Temet Nose, where, you know, I'm not singing, like singing, singing on this album, but there's like a clean choir singing part, which I vowed never to do um, back then. Um, There's long droney kind of songs. There's, uh, it's honestly, I can't explain it. Like it's it's different than the first album. It's different than the second album. Um, But I always love to trace those steps. Now, that's the thing that scares me about doing the EP after EP after EP because I change a little bit here and there, here and there, but it's not going to be drastic, but you know, well, people, I th- I honestly think like for us being younger, like it's easy to think like, Oh, just do EPs and then kind of blend them in as like a full experience. But then you have kind of like the older metal heads, the people who aren't like privy, they just kind of get confused. You know, it happens with me, even with the Crosses albums. Like, I was like, hell yeah, this EP is awesome, this EP is awesome. But then I saw, you know, new full-length album. I was like, wait, like, oh, I don't have to listen to this because I already dig the EPs. And then I found out I missed out on all these other tracks. So I just think it's just, it will get confusing if every band starts doing stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's just been interesting to kind of talk about it. And I mean, like I was kind of saying to you earlier, and like I've been trying to make more adamant on the podcast is like, 
I don't work for anybody. I've never worked at a label, never worked for any of that kind of shit. It's just I look at music as a whole as a fan and, and growing up in a very uh, a family that grew up liking music. Uh, I am a product of MTV and being – I think, you know, it's kind of the funny thing. Like in talking with my wife, you know, I got put in – like MTV was just always on, you know. So I might walk into the living room and, yo, MTV Raps is on. And I'm learning about, you know, NWA or, like, Rakim or Eric B and stuff like that for an hour, hour and a half. To then, you know, here's 120 minutes, you know, and it's more documentary-based kind of shit. And then here's, you know, Headbangers Ball and anything and everything in between. So it's like I have a wide array of musical knowledge. And I'm not saying I'm, like, super deep in any one thing. I think I kind of just touched, you know, whatever was popular at that point. But, you know, it was kind of interesting in, in talking to my wife, like, when Straight Outta Compton came out, the movie. And... You know, the, the Rodney King riots were happening and the things that happened to NWA as a result of their music. And during the movie, she was like, did that happen? And I was like, yeah, you don't remember this? <laughs> like, it was yeah. all over the news, not just MTV, but it was yeah. all over the news. And she was like, oh, I, I didn't, you know, we really didn't have TV and we didn't really have MTV especially. And I was like, oh, and like it, to me, that explains like this, this almost like it's almost like a 10 year gap of music that like I know that she has no real frame of reference for but I also don't know if like part of that is the fact that I grew up on the east coast too around that same time so like culturally like living here in the midwest like you know I think you spent time here I think you can kind of admit that like the midwest is a little bit behind on I mean I mean I, not anymore with the internet being what yeah, it is but I'm saying yeah. like pre-internet like really pre-internet yeah. you know all you had is whatever you had access to and especially music like if you couldn't get something or if you didn't have people in the know like wouldn't know about shit and it's just really weird to to think about a time like that where we were segregated by where we lived and cut off geographically whereas now you can have access to anything and we almost seem to be kind of dumber as a result of it at times i i think it was nicer to be like not to sound dated i just feel like moving like being on tour and going to different you know the east coast west coast whatever you want to call wherever um different territories it had their own thing you know i and granted still does you know each place has their their quirks but i really miss that like like oh you want you know a little bit of the tougher kind of whatever you go to east coast you you want the more you know i'm not going to go into details but (laughs) you but you know what i'm saying like it's that's something that charm Mm -hmm. i think is is fading due to you know a lot of cross-pollination which is fine i don't you know it's as long as people are happy and living their lives you know not in chains cool i'm down with that be happy do what you gotta do you know just don't tell me how i need to live that's all i care about but even then like back in the day like you know i would go to school and you know i would have all these badass fresh you know like uh, band shirts that no one has ever seen or heard of or you know um, like even that one Cradle Filth shirt back in the day before it was like everywhere like the right. Jesus is a cunt one you know yep. stuff like that like I used to have to go to like your specialty shop like, like a head shop probably no like uh, you know there was Metal Haven in Chicago oh. Earwax Records like there was like those those like hey you want the good stuff you gotta come here <laughs> You know, and I feel like with the internet, like you're kind of saying, like everything's accessible, so that it's kind of lost its uh, luster. Yeah, or special. It it's lost its 
specialness, I guess. Yeah. When you finally got the thing, like I remember, I guess this is still a thing, but you know, I remember when getting a bootleg CD of like a band. Yeah. Like, if they didn't. Or VHS. Have, yeah. Yeah. And, I loved it. <laughs> and it, it's one of those things that like it's kind of a. It, I mean, a lot of times it was jank as fuck, like the audio quality or the visual quality, but that's you had to try to get stuff if you were really a fan of something and i feel like that's kind of that's kind of why i think i really asked the ep versus full length thing because i think it speaks to the fandom of of where people are now like are you willing to take in a full length and really sit with it and really take it all in especially on vinyl like you know there's there's an immersive it's an immersive experience i mean you have to literally get up and depending on how long of a record it is you got to flip it over you got to put it on you got to sit back down you know follow along with it, it it's a, it's an experience from start to finish and as someone who is older i think that's why i do like listening to vinyl and i also like you know when getting friends together like kind of creating a vibe like if there's a vibe in the, in the room when we have people over of oh the the vibe kind of went from being a little more like serious to like really lighthearted all of a sudden i'm gonna play something poppy something dancey you know or if like conversations aren't happening i might play something old school to kind of get people to like talking about oh when this record came out or when this I love song doing that. and stuff like that <laughs> and it's like i love curating an, an evening based on what people are giving me and i feel like I feel like we just we have kind of lost that. We've lost the connectivity of of sitting down and having conversations about things and sharing experiences and finding the shared experiences we have. And a lot of times music is the very easiest connection into that, like tapping right into that. And I feel like it's that's kind of where the EP full length thing is kind of going where it's like people are just digesting a song because it's there and then on to the next because we're in this playlist culture, but I don't know. I I feel like there's more there. There's a lot of things these days diverting people's attention. And for those of you who are listening, you know, I don't want you to walk away from this podcast, you know, thinking that we're just kind of, you know, hammering. Yeah, hammering on the the current. And, you know, um, I'm very up to date with what's going on right now. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Um, like, I, I, for one, I love curating po- playlists. Like, I love that spotify like you you can curate a playlist and publish it and like kind of like what you're saying about the party right like i used to be that guy at the parties or on tour you know at the green room like playing whatever to pump everybody up or you know have a good time and the internet gives me the ability to do that on a global scale which is awesome you know and not to mention it showcases you know a lot of other bands that people wouldn't have heard of you can follow them listen to all their albums, whatever. So I don't want people to think that, you know, we're ragging on what's happening these days. And, you know, we're just having a conversation, which is very rare. People could sit there and go, what the hell has this guy been talking about the past however many minutes? Hey, we're just talking. But as far as the EP thing goes, you know, I'm not opposed to it. Um, I've had people tell me, you know, 10 minutes is too long. Uh, Why do you have two 10-minute songs? That's completely unnecessary. But look at Periphery. They just dropped their new album, and it opens with a 16-minute song. Yep. And I and guess what I did? I listened to the fucking album front to back because I knew what they went through to make that album. I, You know, they, they showcased their, I guess you could say their story, their journey on making that album. Um, you know, I try, it's hard to, it's hard to explain this, but I always try and listen or take something in from the other side like i still listen to temet notes pretending to be a listener 
like up like just someone who picked it up and like where you know where does it take me where does the album take me eps some eps honestly they're fucking awesome and they will take you on that trip no you know short time whatever um but everyone's telling me hey man i got i got shit to do i gotta answer phone calls at work i gotta drive i gotta do this i'm like because obviously my preferred way to take my music is sit down and listen you know <laughs> like that which is what i did as a kid though right. i would sit in front of my boombox i think we talked about this in the last podcast yeah. sit in front of my boombox with a cd i just bought that i had pre-ordered reserved at sam goody or a tower whatever you know you get your ticket uh, it's like i waited four six weeks for this fucking album i bought it i sat down and listened to it and i was like whoa and then same thing i would always listen to it whatever same experience so people telling me like uh yeah you know the album's great i just haven't gotten around to finishing yet i'm like man you gotta listen to it front to back it's like i don't have time for that so it's the ep i get it i'm into it but i just have to do it the right way you know to not only keep things current but also you know like we talked about earlier in this podcast not cheap out you know, um, I definitely want to go all in if I'm doing an EP or uh, multiple EPs. So, what does the rest of 2019 look like for you? Obviously, you played a couple of shows. Are there more shows on the horizon? Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, by the time those of you who are listening to this hear this, you know, we'll have a few shows under our belt. Um, we're booking some. We're we're just booking, booking, booking. You know, um, I don't want to just keep playing 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 because you know this is self-released you know I'm, I'm you know i own my own label i released the album under the label we're working with some great people right now um who are doing some awesome things for us on the back end of things so you know everybody's got their two cents but for me and since this is you know my baby it's like i want to play and i want to create everything else can wait um, the politics can, can, you guys can handle the politics. I'm handling the music and I want to perform because that's what we're here to do is to perform and to create. So the rest of the year, you know, nothing, nothing I could talk about as of yet, but you know, we're going to be performing and creating essentially. If, if those of you want to join us, feel free. And uh, lastly, where can everyone follow you so they can see where the performances or the creations will, will be? The performances and creations can be found at weareserpents.com. Uh, you guys can follow us on Facebook at weareserpents, uh, or facebook.com, weareserpents, uh, Instagram, uh, Serpents Metal. Again, you know, um, we're not really big on the socials, but, uh, you know, we still keep things current and up to date. And, you know, um, the, the true essence of the band lies in the music not the socials well thank you for taking the time and inviting me up into your hotel room and kicking your lady friend out <laughs> thank you thank you thanks for and, coming and uh, hopefully we'll see you back around these parts sooner than later yes and I hope you all enjoyed so that was my conversation with Andrew of Serpents um, they have a new record out I, I can never pronounce it so I'm not even going to try uh, it's out you can look for it uh, this was interesting just like I said um, you know the first time we talked with Andrew it was more more about the upcoming record and just the the mental 
issues that he had to go through in order to accomplish putting out this record. And there was a lot of question marks about what it was going to sound like and all that kind of stuff. I don't even think he had a release date for it because he was, like we kind of talked about in this interview, there were so many things he wanted to get in place. And, and so when he releases it, it's released the way exactly how he wants it to be. And I think that's really commendable because, like I said in the intro, it's not necessarily that he's a, a, a local band. Um, but I mean, in the grand scheme of things, it kind of is as far as where he's starting out and to see how much money he's investing into the music, into the, the production, into the everything all encompassing this record. The fact that he didn't shortcut or half ass it, like I said, when so many bands are willing to take shortcuts and, and blame all these other reasons as to why they can't do something. I think it's really commendable, at least that, you know, he saw his vision through as best as he could. Yeah. I mean, he, he definitely tried hard. I, I really like the, um, all the all the extras that you guys were talking about, how how like his merch goes beyond merch. Yeah, I mean those tarot cards are fucking insane. Yeah, like I mean I haven't seen them, but uh, in real life, like I don't I don't have them, but uh, I have seen pictures of them, and they're definitely um, just quality. Like everything, like there's so much there's so much nuance in the album and in the story and everything relates back to the car. It's, it's really cool. As someone, you know, as who's bigger inside, I would say death and black metal than I am is seeing the approach to this, that he has taken. Do you feel like it's a, it's a fresh welcome perspective on a genre that usually is kind of lacking in, uh, I'm not going to say quality, but just in the approach to usually everything is it's more is less is more. This one seems to be more is more. Well, I mean, I don't think that they play like minimalistic music anyway. Um, so it's, I think in certain cases, less is more. Um, if you're like a lo-fi, only release your music on cassette, you know, uh, black metal band or death metal band or whatever, you know, I could see like you're not even having an album cover and stuff. <laughs> it really depends on the band, you know, like with a band like Serpents, it's it's always been kind of the visual eye popping image, and so yeah, I think it is. I think it is kind of fresh in that I think a lot of bands, you know, wouldn't wear outfits or or produce tarot cards or you know, um, really care that much about their lyrical content. And I, honestly, I think that's probably the freshest thing about Serpents is that. Like, dude really cares. Is it like, regardless of whatever your personal beliefs are about what his beliefs are, uh, he tells stories with his music, which I mean, you know, a lot of people do, but to the extent that he takes it to is pretty fresh. Yeah. For for this style of music. I'm interested to see now that this record is done if he will go more into. I don't want to necessarily call them concepts, but more character-based music from here on out. Like, if that'll be the overarching theme, if there is a bigger narrative that this is just the first chapter in. Um, yeah. I'm kind of excited to see where it goes, and hopefully he's able to put out more music rather consistently to keep up with that. Otherwise, you know, it's like a Dark Tower anthology where you get one, like, every, like, seven years. Yeah, and I don't want to wait seven years. Uh <laughs> <laughs> That's too long. Uh, speaking of too long, though, I don't want to make this episode any longer than it really needs to be. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Serpents, you can find them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at We Are Serpents. Uh, if you would like to keep up with Andrew, you can find him simply enough on Instagram and Twitter at Ann... 
at A-N-D-R-U-C-I-V-E-R. Uh, I'd never know exactly how to pronounce that, so I'm just not even going to try. Uh, but follow him there. Uh, buy some merch. Keep up with all the stuff. I know he's been playing some shows out here in the Midwest area, so uh, keep up with that. Something else I really enjoy that he does if you follow him on his socials is uh, he puts a shine onto the fans of theirs. Uh, he calls them initiates. Uh, he'll put like a spotlight on a fan that's been around for a while. And uh, even the bands that are, you know, inspire them or that, you know, are local and are going to be playing shows with them. So I think it's really cool, you know, just a, another different dynamic that he adds uh, to the band's socials and the way that they present themselves. Uh, all that said, if you would like to keep up with Metal Nexus, you can find them at MetalNexus.net, Facebook at Metal Nexus, Instagram at Metal.Nexus, and Twitter at Metal underscore Nexus. And Dan will tell you where he can be found. Oh, I can be found on Facebook under Daniel Terry. I can also be found on Twitter at Discuss Metal Dan. And you can hear me either trashing or praising your favorite band on Discography Discussion at DiscussMetal.com. And if you'd like to keep up with all things this podcast, you can find us simply enough at Bruce Speak Pod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Tweet at us. Nope. Find us on YouTube and see some of the videos we have of the interviews we have done, including some of the interviews we have done, including this one I did with Andrew at his uh, nice hotel in downtown Grand Rapids. And uh, if you would like to keep... If you would like to support us monetarily, you can do such at Patreon, patreon.com slash brewspeakpod. If you would like to support us non-monetarily, you, like non you can do such by leaving a rating, review, and subscribing to this podcast on whatever podcatcher you have. It would be greatly appreciated. And if you would like to keep up with our show sponsor, The Bean Bastard, you can do such at thebeanbastard.com, Facebook and Instagram at The Bean Bastard. And for the Brutally Speaking Podcast, I am John. And I am Dan. And we will talk to you all next time.